Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. That's right, Fizz Radio is back. Happy to have you with us, Tim Leonard, Jonathan Hoppy. Hope you had a good 4th of July, and we are happy to be back to break down the week in Syracuse sports, get you all caught up. Thanks for joining us, whether it's on the score 1260 from 9 to 10 this Saturday morning or on the podcast app, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts at a later date and time. Hoppy, you have a good 4th of July? Oh, yeah. How can you not? One of my favorite American holidays, and it's the best American holiday, in my opinion. There's a couple others that come to mind, but you talk about 4th of July, hopefully out on the beach, out by the water somewhere, hot dogs, hamburgers, your drink of choice, all that. Weather actually held up. It wasn't great this year. I was down at the beach at South Carolina but it turned out to be a perfect day. Yeah, and you, as you always say, once we hit 4th of July, it's like the summer just disappears from there. It's full speed ahead. We'll be down in Charlotte next week for the ACC kickoff. Looking forward to that. And we'll join Tommy DeVito, Kendall Coleman, Dino Baber. So we've got a lot of fun stuff planned here, but it really does feel like we're kind of past that midway point of summer now. I don't know what it is, but I've said this for a long time now. The back half of summer, right? The first half is a lead up to July 4th. Then July 4th comes and you get the back half. A lot of people start thinking about August, whether it's kids going back to school, work ramps back up again, this, that, and the other. That's what's going to happen right now. And for us, Syracuse football, it's about to really pick up. We'll get a new depth chart in a couple of weeks. We go down to Charlotte. We get preseason camp dates and all of that. It's a fun time. Yeah, I'm really excited for football season, as we've talked about a lot on this program. But since we're already kind of into the summer a little bit, we're at 11 commits now in this 2020 class for football recruiting. And we can kind of gauge a little bit where things are at. I wrote an article this week on OrangeFizz.net basically asking the question, should fans be happy with where recruiting is at at this point in the season? Now, there's kind of two sides to that because the ratings aren't really great, but It is early on in the process. When you just look at the 11 commits we have so far, as a fan, do you think people should be happy with the class so far? I'm not sure they should be happy, but it's not time to panic just yet. And I know you wrote about this, orangefizz.net. If you want to get the written version, Tim Leonard has it for you. You can find it on Twitter, and all of our posts are there as well. But it's not time to panic. This is a class that does have some potential There are some bigger name guys that we'll get to in a moment that could wind up in Syracuse. That could change the outlook of this class. But right now, it looks a lot like the previous classes have. And I also wrote at orangefizz.net about how good the 2018 class is. And the rankings are probably going to end up about the same. I mean, Dino has been very consistent where he's been at in the ACC. Hasn't been great. Ninth, 10th, 11th, and that's kind of where this program stands right now. But what they do, and we've talked about this at nauseum on this program, they recruit to their strengths. They recruit yep. to what they do on offense, and we've seen that. You look at that 2018 class. You get Andre Sisco. You get Tosh Harris, who I'm super excited about right, and they, as receiver, and, and a lot more. No one thought they'd be as good as they were in their freshman year. So no. you're right. Everything's fluid, and the ratings don't mean everything. They can't mean everything because these sites can't follow every single recruit in America. When you look at 
where this 2020 class stacks up right now, this is 247sports.com's average ratings for the 11 commits so far. 83.49 is the overall average grade of those 11 commits. So kind of in the middle three starts here. But that's pretty much right on par with what they've been getting recently. It's actually a little bit below 2019's 84.83. And 2018, that good Just class barely. you're mentioning. Right. That one's the best class Dino's reeled in, 85.61 average. Go back to 2017, it was 83.57. So very close to where 2020 is right now at 83.49. But like you said, it's early. Ratings don't mean everything. The reason I wrote this article is just to say, this is where we're at right now. I think there is some urgency within the program. I think anyone within the program would tell you right now, we'd like to get a four-star guy. We're kind of due for one of those in this cycle. If you just go based off the ratings, which I know it feels kind of careless to just look at the ratings, but there's not much else out there to really evaluate this stuff. Well, here's why we're looking at these ratings. I think you, I think myself, I think everyone in the Syracuse community is expecting a jump. Based on that 10-win season, when you count in the Camping World Bowl, you'd think things would be on the up and up, so to speak. That proof is not there in terms of the numbers. It's just not. A few weeks ago, Syracuse was last in the ACC, and we wrote about it and talked about it. They've gotten out of that cellar now where they have the least amount of recruits. Their average grade, that 83.49, that's the worst average grade of the 14 teams in the ACC. So, yes, that's not everything, ratings, and yes, it's early, but no one would sign up for that Well, it is everything. I mean, that yeah, a little (laughs) bit. That's the topic here is like— I completely agree. It's not everything. At this but at stage, this point, it's everything. It is everything. Right. And it's the worst in the conference. It's sort of like preseason rankings right now. When you stack up team schedules, what are schedules based upon? Strength of schedules. Well, it's pretty much preseason rankings because we don't have anything to show for it in terms of games being played. The same can be said about these recruits. What we have to go off of is what the recruiting services rank them as. We don't know if Taj Harris or Andre Sisco or Jarvion Howard is in this pile of 2020 recruits. We'll have to wait and see. Right. And obviously there are some bigger names that have considered Syracuse in this class. We're going to get to those a little bit later on here on Fizz Radio. And there are some four-star guys at the wide receiver position that are considering Syracuse. They've had some bad luck with some other four-star guys. And just when you look at the whole recruiting class as a whole, you can tell that some of the rewards are there from a 10-3 and three season. You can tell some of these bigger names. Syracuse is now losing to teams like Oregon, losing to teams out west, losing to teams like Miami, North Carolina. It's not like the old days where they were just beating BC and beating Rutgers for a recruit here and there. When, when you really look at players in the specific recruiting classes, one of the best indicators outside of ratings is just look at who's offered them. And a lot of these guys that we're talking about that Syracuse is still after are getting offered by even Alabama, Miami. And that's great to see. But at some point, you've got to turn those into commits for it to actually really be a reward. And that's what I'm stating in this article. It's early. I'm not saying this is not going to be a good recruiting class. You can't make that case right now because it's early. And I do have optimism that they do land probably a four-star guy down the road. But right now, if you just look at the facts, it's underwhelming. And let's make that clear what you just said. The separation from this class to the last class 
is the recruits that aren't choosing Syracuse, they're getting better offers. And Syracuse is more in the conversation for guys that are going to time. insert big name school. Yeah. But the fact is, the guys who have actually pledged, verbally pledged to come to Syracuse, they're just about the same players right. that were there a season ago. They're all three and star two guys. two seasons ago. And that has to change for Syracuse to really take the next step. But, you know, I say that if you can recruit to your system, and that's what Dino Babers says he does. I mean, that is the identity of this team. They have a certain recruit they like to go after. They know they have certain disadvantages, especially in the ACC, up in Syracuse. They play a very unique system. I mean, the You've list, got to the list to your goes system. on and on, right? But he tries to use the dome as a strength. We all know about Dino Babers as a recruiter, and it's worked well because he's gotten players that have played very well under his system. And Tommy DeVito is one of those guys who we're going to see come in and possibly do big things for the Orange. That's another case to be made with this, is you could say, yeah, the ratings aren't great, but why don't we just trust Dino? That 2018 class that you brought up with the likes of Andre Sisco, 85.61 rating-wise, it is the best rating one, but it's only slightly better than what we're getting, and it's turned into a way better class than people would have thought on paper in 2018. So why are we complaining about the ratings when we've finally got a good coach with stability in the program, got great direction, and let's just trust him to go get his guys. He's got to recruit for a specific system. And I get that argument, but I think in order to take that next leap, now obviously Syracuse made a, a gigantic leap last year. They're ahead of schedule with Dino. And by no means should anyone be complaining about where they're at right now. They're in a great spot, one of the best spots of any program in the ACC right now. But in order to take that next leap, which is competing for the Orange Bowl, competing for ACC titles consistently, you have to get four-star guys. I think that's just basically a prerequisite to get to that level. I don't think there's any way you get there without getting more talent. You're right. The best programs in the ACC, they're loaded with four and five stars. That's just the bottom line. When you look at the best programs around the country, they've got four and five stars. They don't have three stars littered throughout the recruiting classes. And that's not to put these guys down. I think there's a lot of potential in this class and you want to talk about potential that's come to life, I'll go back to 2018. Tosh Harris, Andre Sisco talked about them. They were great. Expect them to be even better this year. Jarvion Howard, first of all, they've got to find the way a way to get that dude Right, he was great. He's got to get the ball, even with Abdul Adams in town, Mo Neal. That's going to be interesting to see how these running backs play out. That's something we'll focus a lot on come next week at the ACC kickoff. But then the list goes on. Trill Williams... If I'm not mistaken, that's a four-star guy. Yeah, Some services had him as four stars. He's going to play a lot in the Syracuse backfield this year. And then you've got a guy like Ed Hendricks back from injury this year at 6'3". Hendricks presents a big frame for Tommy DeVito, a little change of change of pace on the outside. Harris and Jackson, you know, they're more of like six-foot guys, maybe 6'1". You add that extra couple of inches, gives you something else on the outside for the orange. So, a guy like that, I mean, the list goes on and on. Kadir White, what are we going to see from him? Right. Offensive line recruit. A lot of people thought he would be vying for a starting job at this point in his career. That has not been the case. You got Dakota Davis at left guard. You know, maybe he's somewhere behind him. Maybe White can come in and compete for a job. But that class is pretty good. I mean, these right. are household Syracuse names. I'll go ahead and say that at this point. I mean, you talk to any Syracuse fan that follows relatively closely, they know the name Cisco Harris. 
No, they're Williams, household names Howard. in the ACC, honestly. A Cisco is definitely. Certainly building that way. Right. And by no means am I slamming the panic button. I think it is still relatively early in this cycle. I just thought it's reason to talk about it right now. This is a hot button topic because we are at the point with 11 commits and you can kind of evaluate this right now. And the ratings stack up about what we've seen in the past three or four years and even slightly below, which maybe you'd expect them to take a little bit of a leap. But I know you aren't. I'm not hitting the panic button at this point. Well, it's just frustrating. And maybe not so much for someone like us, but for fans that are watching, they want to see the four stars come in because that's how the recruiting classes get graded. That's the bottom line. That's how people around the country talk about Syracuse. If you talk about upcoming programs, you think about Syracuse, but then someone might say, well, they're still recruiting at not a very high level towards the bottom of the ACC. And that's a big building block for these programs that try to take the next step, and we're not seeing it. Well, who are those four-star guys that could change that class? We will dive into that next, including one wide receiver, a four-star wide receiver that announced his decision date and put Syracuse in his top five. We'll get into him and everything else in this recruiting class next on The Score 1260. Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Tim Leonard, Jonathan Hoppy here with you until 10 a.m. this Saturday morning. You can also check this out in its entirety, commercial-free, on the podcast apps via Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Talking some Syracuse football recruiting right now. Some big news this week in the neighborhood of a four-star guy, Bryce Gowdy, a wide receiver. Four-star alert. Yeah, four-star alert. That's what Syracuse needs right now. Always love to hear the four-star alert. He's a guy, Bryce Gowdy, who announced his decision date on July 30th. He's going to make a decision between his top five schools, which includes Syracuse, Georgia Tech, West Virginia. Those are really his top three. There are a couple others, but it seems like right now it is between Syracuse, Georgia Tech, and West Virginia for this guy. That's where he has visited He came to Syracuse on the weekend of June 20th, 21st, and seemed to get good vibes from the visit. And this is a guy at the wide receiver position that could fit in and honestly be a future of their offense if he comes. He's a four-star talent that's right up there with some of the best recruits Dino has gotten in his tenure here at Syracuse. Yeah, this could change the class, certainly. Everybody, keep your eyes on this guy. If he comes, it could open the floodgates, too, for potentially a couple of more higher-profile guys to come to the program. Gowdy's someone, I mean, you watch his tape, he's a good receiver. Right. I mean, he's really good. And here's the thing about receivers coming to Syracuse. It's almost like if they're good, it's a plus. If they're not good, you figure they will be by the time they leave. Wide receiver you, man. I mean, we've seen it year in and year out. Dino Babers, and you ask him about it, he won't tell you what they do. And he shouldn't. You know, he's got to keep the cards close to the vest because— They clearly know what to do on the outside. And that, for me, is the position that we really should be seeing the dividends of this success for Syracuse because the proof is in the pudding. If you're a recruit, why why wouldn't you want to come to SU as a receiver? That pitch is so easy. You've got, if you're a guy in this 2020 class, you've got Tommy DeVito for two years. You've got receivers in this system with Dino that he has proven. The proof is in the pudding, like you said. Ambed Atau, Steve Ishmael, Jamal Custis, Bristley Esteem. That's a wide variety of different skill sets, different speeds, different styles as a receiver that have succeeded and put up huge numbers in the ACC and got themselves on the map to NFL teams. So there is even some NFL success there. 
that for me is I completely agree. Wide receiver you could be a thing for Syracuse. And if it's the case is right now, oh, this recruiting class, the ratings are kind of similar, but come on, guys. No one's going to buy into Syracuse after just one good year. Let's calm down. It could be a little fluky. People need to see a couple years of success. It's going to take some time. I think this is the position that could go against that. I think wide receiver is that position for Syracuse long-term that could become their thing, kind of like Clemson has D-line, BC has O-line. A lot of these programs have that position that they're known for, and Syracuse has taken well, some Clemson's wide receivers. Clemson's known for every position. Yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> Clemson's doing pretty good things try, down though. there. But <laughs> if you were to pinpoint one no, position, it might be D-line. And for Syracuse, recently, wide receivers, even though they haven't been getting super talented wide receivers, Ambeda Tao is someone from Maryland who didn't do a whole lot of anything at Maryland, comes to Syracuse, and he's up for the Belindikoff Award. So the proof is in the pudding there, like you said. And I think that's the position where they do have some four-star guys that have shown serious interest. I think they will get at least one four-star guy, and it could be Bryce Gowdy, who's announcing on July 30th. Let's play a little game here. Let's put you in the shoes of Gowdy. All right. You've got West Virginia, Syracuse, and Georgia Tech. Knowing your skills, knowing that you're, you know, you see yourself as a top wide receiver in the country— and you think you can change that position for all three of those programs. Yeah. In your eyes, which one stands out the most? Where are you leaning towards right now? And keep in mind, there's a lot that goes into these decisions that is is non-football related. But if we're talking X's and O's, football, you want to go somewhere where you can make an impact. You want to go somewhere where you can win. Right, and for those that don't know, this is a Florida guy. So Georgia Tech's probably the closest, but... I'd say West Virginia's the leader on paper in this. I mean, they're still an established brand on offense, and That's they have tough. a lot going. I think West Virginia is a tough contender. There's a lot Sarah- of people that are shaking their heads at you right now. Right. You you think so? I do think so, because SU just smashed West Virginia well, in the yes, camping robot. But, <laughs> but if you take the last football, five years— I mean, it means years, everything. If you take since when this guy Bryce Gowdy has grown up— They've got a new coach, though. Okay, and Georgia Tech has a new coach, too. Right. So I, I don't see Georgia Tech, honestly, because to me, they, I mean, yes, they had Calvin Johnson, so maybe this is someone who just said, oh, Calvin Johnson, Bryce Gowdy being, oh, he loved Calvin Johnson growing up, and that attracted him to Georgia Tech. And obviously, like you said, there's tons of reasons. Georgia Tech's a great school in and of itself. All three of these are great schools, but I I don't really see them. I consider them more running the football first, and that was also their old regime with Paul Johnson. So who knows? Maybe he's attracted by the new coach, and maybe it's just simply he likes the coach. I think consensus right now is West Virginia is the leader on this guy. Syracuse is probably two, and Georgia Tech's not far behind. Okay, so you're going with Intel. That's why you said West Virginia. Yeah, slightly. I think also West Virginia is a more established brand. In in the national landscape, for a kid down in Florida, I don't think we can ignore that. As much as we want to believe Syracuse is making a leap, and it is, one ten and 3 season, yes, they did just crush West Virginia in a big game, the Camping World Bowl, of course, but... You know, without their quarterback and their starting left tackle. Right, so that's a factor. Take everything with a grain of salt. I mean, I agree. I, I don't think Syracuse is at the top of that list. I don't think you They're can close. sit here and say, oh, West Virginia and Georgia Tech... I'll take Syracuse every day of the week. Now, the one part where you do have a case is, like we said, first-year head coaches. Neil Brown takes over for West Virginia for Dana Holgerson, who's now down at Houston. 
He was really good. Yeah. Will Greer was great. Now he plays for the Panthers in the NFL. He's gone. So you look at Georgia Tech, Jeff Collins, they move away from that triple option. But like you said, Collins is an offensive line kind of guy. You figure them to be physical at the point of the attack, a run-first sort of team. But face it, any team needs wide receivers. Right. But they're going to be really bad next year. Yeah, if you want to put up numbers, you probably go to Syracuse or West Virginia. And honestly, you probably go to Syracuse well, if you want to put up numbers. it takes a while to rebuild from a triple option offense. Yeah. Because you're recruiting guys that are completely different than they would be in a normal sort of spread offense. I don't know what kind of offense he's going to be running down there. So that's for me. For me, Georgia Tech is last. And I understand yeah. the ties may be, you know, close I mean, We're not school. in the kid's head. Right. I mean, <laughs> as much you, as we want to be. If you, if you think about it, you could see why, I don't know about this Calvin Johnson stuff, but if yeah, that's, that's the case, a that's a, a factor. <laughs> it does seem that way. But to me, that's clearly last. And right. then you've got West Virginia and Syracuse. To me, West Virginia is trending down right now, and Syracuse is trending up. Yes, but West Virginia has also said before to some wide receivers, come to us, we'll get you to the NFL, and they pretty much delivered on that promise. Now, Syracuse right. has had some They're recent success. they further along Syracuse. In yeah, I mean, you can't deny that. As no. much as we... I mean, I, I do think if he came to Syracuse, he would put up numbers. Maybe not in the first year because it's a loaded wide receiver core. And that's another thing to consider here. You know, a lot of these four-star guys are considering Penn State. A guy like Kentron Poyater, Malik Magia, those are two guys that Syracuse is after. They're considering Penn State. They've already got four wide receiver commits in that class. This 2020 class does Penn State. So you'd think that bodes well for Syracuse. And that's a big factor and probably partially why Syracuse isn't getting those four-star guys yet is because there's a lot of youth on this team that's going to be there for a while, and it's a lot of competition at some of these skill positions. When's the uh, commitment date for Gowdy? July 30th. I, I'm excited for that. I think it's Syracuse, yeah. West Virginia, Georgia Tech's in there, but I think Syracuse has a real shot. And let's face it, if they get Gowdy, the article I wrote and some of the stuff that we've been saying kind of goes out the window. That's a big get. That's a guy that they can put at wide receiver for the future. Another guy, Casey Case, a quarterback that was in the news this week for a little bit different terms. He didn't commit to Syracuse. He doesn't have a decision date or anything. He actually committed to Buffalo. This is a guy that's kind of a low-tier quarterback. Some sites had him three-star. Some sites had him two-star. But Syracuse was in on him a little bit late since they've missed out on some guys like Mason Garcia. Christian Valu is reclassifying to 2021. And they never actually offered Casey Case. He did visit, though. But now we know he's going to Buffalo, and that probably changes things landscape-wise for the quarterback position going forward. At this point, you've got to really focus on the future. Yeah. Almost kiss 2020 goodbye. I mean, there's not a lot of guys that you've got interest available out there anymore. And really, there was never a guy that sort of popped off the page. Valu was always the guy. Now he's reclassified. Yeah, and we kind of always knew he'd reclassify, Right, I think. so it gives you a little bit more time, and no matter if they knew it or not, he's 2021, so they've got a whole nother year before you can even get a verbal from him uh, and, and that sort of thing. So you got to really look to the future, and Tommy DeVito does have a lot of time left here, so there's really no rush. But really, none of these 2020 guys, it ever seemed like they were too interested in, and they never had too much interest back. I think Brett Nazad is one guy still out there. Him and Casey Case basically both toured the campus at the same time. Nazad is a three-star from Alabama, right? Just a few weeks ago, after they found out probably that they were out of the running for Garcia, he kind of planned a visit 
and then backed out of that and went to ECU. Valu reclassified, so then they kind of dipped into the pool a little bit more, it appears, from there. They went after Case and Nazat, didn't offer, and it looks like they were just going to evaluate both of these guys in their senior seasons, the early portion of the fall, and then maybe select one of them. Now, maybe you lend an offer out to Nazat, a three-star guy from Alabama. Maybe that's your 2020 guy. You probably want to get at least one, even if it's not a quote-unquote starter in the next couple years, but they do have David Summers, who I think some people are underrating at this point. And look, Tommy DeVito's there, so the quarterback the class guy. isn't isn't premier focus. I think wide receiver, though, is interesting. And if but they you've got to keep Gowdy, your eye on it because, as we know, right. a team is only as good as its quarterback. Yeah. And we've seen that in the past, and hopefully we see that this year in a good way with Tommy DeVito. Honestly, I think Valu is one of the biggest recruits for this program right now, a 2021 quarterback that's got ratings like Tommy DeVito. So that's a guy to keep an eye on. But that's what we know about this 2020 class right now. When we come back, we'll talk some basketball. Bayheim's Army's roster is rounding into form. We'll give you the dates for that. And also debate, should Carmelo Anthony actually suit it up for Bayheim's Army this year? All that next on The Score 1260. Biz Radio rolling right along here on The Score 1260. Tim Leonard, Jonathan Hoppy here with you until 10 a.m. this morning. Let's talk some Bayheim's Army because... Believe it or not, it is right around the corner at this point. July 26th, a Friday night at OCC, is the first game for Syracuse. It'll air on ESPN2. They are the number one seed playing in that OCC regional. First time they've started out and hosted nearby. And the roster coming together now. We've got a good idea of who's going to be playing for this team. Ryan Blackwell back as the head coach, of course. Jordan Crawford is the only non-Syracuse alum, I think, to really ever play for Bayheim's Army. A Xavier guy that used to play for the Celtics, spent some time in the NBA. 6'4", shooting guard, is joining the team. But outside of that, the Syracuse guys that most fans should know, a lot of guys that have been on the team in the past years. Eric Devendorf, John Gillian, Arenze Onowaku, Chris McCullough, Brandon Trish, Shaquem Warwick, Daryl Watkins, and the list really goes on and on. This is going to be another fun year with Bayheim's Army and it's shaping up to be a pretty good roster. They're a number one seed. Obviously, a lot of these guys are playing for the money, one hundred and fifty grand a piece to each player. You get a million as a team or as a program in this tournament, and Bayheim's Army seems to always be competitive. It's always fun to watch these guys, and now fans get a chance to watch them, at least in the first round at OCC. Well, it's weird because usually in the summertime, we're really hitting basketball and looking basketball recruiting. We've talked a lot about four-star Andre Jackson, who could possibly join the program. But really, it's been all about football. So now we go back to basketball, Bayheim's Army, the basketball tournament. It's been a cool thing. And this year, they'll have a chance to really advance in my eyes. I know they're doing it different now with the hosts, the regional sites, which only help Syracuse playing at OCC. But you look at this roster. I mean, Hakeem Warwick, he's a guy. I can't right. wait to see him play. Devendorf's been great for this team. Him and Warwick, Trish. I mean, John Gillen's, he's pretty much perfect, too. Right. A lot of John Gillen's someone that I guess you'd expect to still be filling it up. But I'm impressed that when you see a Devendorf come out there, a guy that's been coaching and you think hasn't been playing a lot, and he goes out there and just fills it up. And it just reminds you how talented some of these guys are and how talented they always will be. It's the perfect thing for fans that want to relive the glory days for some of these guys. It's a really cool thing because in summertime you get summer league and then you get this tournament where in really when not a lot is going on, 
you get to watch it, and it has a lot of interest. Right. I mean, there are a lot of people that are interested. We put an article up on our website about the team. It gets clicks. I mean, yeah. people want to know about this team when they're playing and who is playing. Someone who's not playing, Carmelo Anthony. Right. And people want to know, should he play? I mean, that has been talked about. And, I mean, I think it's a little ridiculous at this point if Carmelo's playing for Carmelo Talk to expect Talk about reliving him. the glory days. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what people want. Right. And, obviously, Carmelo is technically a free agent in the NBA right now. Not looking great as to what his long-term future is there. But... He's got plenty of money. We know that. I mean, he made $25 million just last year. People don't realize that. Obviously, his career earnings with the Knicks, the Nuggets, you name it, he has made bank. So he's not going to play for the money, which is $150,000 a player. That would do a lot for maybe a John Gillen or some of these other players. It wouldn't really change Carmelo Anthony. But I guess you could make the case that why wouldn't he come join the team? Because he would be one of the best players in the tournament, perhaps. But there might even be a little bit of... The little side to Carmelo that's thinking, I'm a little rusty. Do I really want to go out there, risk injury, if I do see myself as an NBA guy maybe next year and down the road? Because someone will probably take a chance on him just based on his pedigree. So it is a bit of a risk for him, and there's not really much to gain in terms of you're going out there, you're a big-name guy, a lot of eyes will be on you. And if you underperform compared to some of these other guys that are playing every day in great shape, and very active and everything, then it's like, uh, this is kind of just disappointing that Carmelo's out here and not scoring 20, 25 a game. Right. The real question, why would he play? Yeah. When you look at the basketball tournament, it's a bunch of, I won't say wannabes, but guys that just couldn't make it in the NBA. Right. Guys that really did not have the talent to make it in the NBA. Even a Hakeem Warwick. I mean, he played in the league. He yeah. had a couple decent seasons but he wasn't Carmelo Anthony. No. People forget they like to look at Carmelo in the past few years and say, man, he's, you know, he's not who he used to be. But regardless of what you think about his pro career, he made a ton of money and he was a successful player. Right. I mean, back with the Nuggets in early days and the Knicks, he was one of the faces of the league. He was an all NBA guy a lot of years. And he's also goes down as one of the best Olympic players ever in terms of what he did. Right. For I mean, the US he's on Olympic the cover team. of a basketball video game. I think it was NBA Live. You, I can see yeah, him. Not many people can say that. With the Nuggets and the classic hair he used to have and the sort of younger look. But uh, this is Carmelo Anthony. I mean, this is not Eric Devendorf. And no, no disrespect. I mean, it's just. Right. All these guys that are in this tournament are extremely talented. We know that. But. No one of Carmelo's pedigree, stature, you name it, has ever played in this tournament. The biggest name to probably play in this tournament is Greg Oden, and you can see why he would play in it, because he is someone that never really panned out in the NBA, and obviously that's largely because of injuries. But for Carmelo's sake, like you said, I just don't really see what's to gain. He's got a lot to lose if he joins. The case maybe is oh, well, you're not going to be playing anyway, so why don't you come join with some of your friends, help them get a jump start on their career maybe, lead them to a title, get them some money, and do some good. Plus, the fans would even love him more if he came to OCC. It would, I mean, it would be incredible if he did do this. Obviously, What the they fans have to do it, pretty but... much is make a side deal with him. Really, I think the basketball tournament, I think they would have to come out and I don't know if they've done this in the past, but I don't think so. Yeah. Certainly seems like something that might go on. I mean, if you get Carmelo Anthony playing in this, that's Bring a talking point. Yeah. I mean, that's a talking point, and it makes this team 
legit. So I don't know what they would have to work out, but you're clearly, in my eyes, you're going to have to lure this guy in. I think right. it's pretty much a non-starter at this point, even though here we are talking about it. I do think that he needs something. I mean, he's not just going to come show up. Why would he? Right. And people are talking about it, but it's not like people are talking about this because Carmelo has hinted at this No, at there's we no haven't rumors heard out of Carmelo's right. camp that he's considering. He, and, he's just not going to play. I, I'd be shocked if he played. Yeah. Shocked. Honestly, I, I'd say it's a 1% chance or something like Maybe that. Maybe less. Right. <laughs> and, and hopefully he proves us wrong. <laughs> Maybe we'll be replaying this clip and eating our words later on, but... Maybe it's not Carmelo Anthony joining this team, but it's still going to be fun to watch these guys. July 26th at OCC, it starts, and there's a lot of good players on that team, and hopefully they'll make another long run. When we come back, we'll wrap things up with Fizz feedback and go over some other loose ends, recapping the week in Syracuse sports. Jonathan Hoppy and Tim Leonard, right back with you on the Score 1260 next. Wrapping things up here on Fizz Radio, Tim Leonard, Jonathan Hoppy, thanks for joining us as always. Let's get into some quick hitters here. Just going to recap a couple things that have gone on recently in the week of Syracuse sports. Some little things that might turn into bigger things, but definitely worth noting in case you missed it. Let's start out with Trey Allison, the linebacker, has officially transferred from the program. He has entered the transfer portal at least, and Another guy transferring at the linebacker position, maybe not the best, wasn't a household name for Syracuse, but you always don't like to see players leave the program. Let's play devil's advocate. Maybe in the spring, some names popped up in front of him that are performing really well at that position, and he decides there's not enough space for me this fall. Just saying, could be a possibility. You'd like to see him stay, but you've got to keep that in mind. There's all sorts of factors why guys leave. That was a very positive spin on that. I like that. I'm here all night. So Trey Allison, the linebacker, has transferred, entered the transfer portal. We also found out good news. Andre Jackson's top three came out. It's kind of what we expected. Again, this is the 2020 basketball prized recruit, small forward that Syracuse is high on, and he seems to be high on Syracuse. His top three includes UCLA, UConn, and Syracuse. Now, the team of note there that didn't make it is Stanford, which has expressed some interest in him. He's expressed some interest back. But these are the three schools that he has toured. UConn and Syracuse, he's toured multiple times. And it appears Syracuse is the front runner. But now we know at least that's the top three for Jackson. Right. For a guy like Gowdy, we're not really sure who the front runner is. I think Syracuse is the front runner for Jackson. It's really trended that way for the entire recruiting process. Really exciting to see what happens with this kid because he's a good player. And he's someone that can come in and, you know, He's not the best shooter in the world, but he's pretty much good at everything else, and his shot will come. Another thing you might have missed in the midst of all this NBA nonsense and wildness this offseason, Jeremy Grant, the former Syracuse guy, did get traded. He was traded from the Oklahoma City Thunder to the Denver Nuggets. Just another trade that gave the Thunder some more first-round picks, but the Nuggets for Grant seems like he's going from another contender to maybe even more of a contender, a good young team where I think he really fits in pretty well there. Yeah, Denver's a good team. I mean, you look at a guy like Grant, he can come in and help them, and good for him to get out of Oklahoma City, right? I mean, that team now, we just learned a, a couple of nights ago that they're trading Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul and a couple of first-round draft picks. So they've got a lot of draft picks. They're looking towards the future. Great to see Grant get an opportunity with Denver, they'll need it because that Western Conference is loaded. Yeah, by the time some people listen to this, maybe Chris Paul will have been traded or something. The way the NBA is going, 
Grant's really carved out a nice career, though, and now he's going to the Denver Nuggets, traded from the One Oklahoma of the better City. Syracuse players in the league. Yeah, and not many people would have thought that once he came out of school, but he's a 3 and D guy that's been athletic and really fits that modern NBA, so... He's kind of the big guy on the move, former Syracuse player going to the Nuggets in this offseason. Other news in regards to the week one matchup in football, Liberty did pick up a transfer at the quarterback position and a talented transfer, a former Auburn quarterback. Now, the kicker to this is he's going to appeal. He's going to file that waiver, and we don't know if he'll be ready to play. Well, everyone gets a waiver. Right. You get a waiver, I get a waiver. But we don't know if he'll be able to play immediately and play against Syracuse. And honestly, even if he does get that immediate to play thing, do you really see him playing against Syracuse when that game is kind of right around the corner now? This is really interesting. Will they give him a waiver or not? That's kind of the question because they're talking about the waiver. They're trying to really limit it and make it more legitimate, if you will. But if they do give him one, he's a good quarterback, was competing for the starting job in Auburn, really came out to be the third best guy, so maybe not even a backup. He'll transfer to Liberty and Hugh Freeze. But they've got a guy, Stephen Buckshot Calvert. You'll hear a lot more about him in the next month or so. He's their senior quarterback. They've got a senior wide receiver. They've got a senior running back. This team is a veteran group that could give Syracuse some problems, but that's a conversation for another day. This quarterback, though, we'll see if Willis gets that waiver, and if he does, I don't know. Maybe we'll see them both. You never right. know. I mean, he's a talented guy, and it at least shows that Hugh Freeze is making an impact with that program. Another transfer they have, Josh Mack, at the running back position, was a former Syracuse target, tried to transfer to Syracuse last year, and one of the best players in the FCS at Maine that has transferred to Liberty. We don't know how many touches he will get in his first year now with the Flames, but there's a lot of veteran guys on that team. This team won six games last year. It wasn't a full FBS schedule, but they won six games. That's not terrible. Liberty, maybe not as bad as some people think. It's, I mean, it's Hugh Freeze. They, they've got something going down there, and they're getting some bigger names. So we'll see. Obviously, I think we all expect Syracuse to win that game, but still... It makes it a little more interesting whether that Auburn quarterback that transferred will maybe get some playing time week one against Syracuse. Other news in regards to the basketball schedule, we found out a couple more details about the non-conference portion. Oklahoma State is the team they're going to play in the first round, quote-unquote, of the NIT season tip-off, at least the Barclays portion of it. They will definitely see Oklahoma State, and then depending on whether they win or lose that game, they will play Penn State or Ole Miss next. So we know they're seeing Oklahoma State. That's on the 27th. We also know now they're playing at at home against Bucknell on the 16th and against Seattle on the 23rd at home. Oklahoma State-Syracuse, a rematch of the women's basketball first round from 2018. (laughs) That's true. Changing over to men's. That's about all I've got to say. Yeah, and I think Oklahoma State is a team that Syracuse probably should beat, but both teams are kind of... You know, they're not top 25 teams, and they're probably not quite bubble teams. They're kind of in that middle tier. So it should be a good test for Syracuse. We know they'll play Oklahoma State at least on the 27th. We'll see what happens from there. But that's kind of what we know about Syracuse sports, some stuff in case you missed it this week. That was fun. Little news and notes. We should do that more often. Some quick hitters to end the show this week here on Fizz Radio. Next week, we've got a whole lot of content coming your way because Hoppy and I are heading down to Charlotte for this ACC media kickoff. It's going to be a fun event. Tommy DeVito, Kendall Coleman, and Dino will be down there. If you have any questions we'd like to ask these guys heading into the season, tweet at us at Orange Fizz. We'd be happy to 
get your thoughts out there. And it's going to be a really fun week to talk to some of these guys and kind of gauge the expectations for the season. We get the media guide, we get the depth chart, and there'll be a lot to talk about as always. We'll see what Dino Babers has to say. Tommy DeVito and Kendall Coleman both making their debuts at the event. So there's a lot to look forward to. And then right around the corner, it's preseason camp. But next week, we'll have you covered. Make sure you keep it locked, orangefizz.net. We will have a podcast coming out Sunday, maybe early morning Monday, kind of previewing the week. And then, of course, Fizz Radio will air again next week, Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m. right here on the Score 1260. You can also catch the podcast versions of this, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. But that'll do it for this week's version of Fizz Radio. For Jonathan Hoppy. I'm Tim Leonard. Catch us next week, same time, right here on the Score 1260.